welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by Mr. Shane Reeves. Six days. That you've I, held on I've to that? I've held this, sh- this cigar for six days to smoke it on the show with you. Okay. You should feel, you should feel privileged. If it, during that six days I had been attacked, I could have killed them. With the point of this cigar. Is you, that not the you, sharpest, that is tightest very, roll? very, very sharp. Yeah. If, if at some point I had needed to defend myself utilizing only a Padron 80th, I could have. You could have punched out the glass <laughs> in your car if you'd have fallen into I, a river. I, I could have shipped somebody in the chow line with this cigar. <laughs> so guarantee you, you. You mentioned before we started recording that you have a bit of a story with that. Well, the best thing in the world is when you have a really nice cigar that you didn't have to pay for. Yes. <laughs> and all is, is, do they taste, they don't taste any sweeter than when it's a nice cigar that you didn't have to pay for. You yeah. didn't have to purchase. And all. So I um, went last week, one of our friends here at the shops buying his first house, condo, apartment, townhome, whatever. Yeah. And he asked me to go help him do a walkthrough with it. And I was more than happy to do that. And all with no expectation of remuneration. But, in exchange, he handed me a Padron 1926 80th. That's that's how you do that. That is. That's how you very nicely uh, to do that. Yeah. And also, I was very, very pleased with that. And I said, no, I'm going to save that and smoke that on the show. Now, have you had an 80th before? Oh, yeah. I had I a feel- box of them. Okay. Well, one time during the um, thing um, where they were doing the rewards, the customer rewards thing. Yeah. I did that. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That's yeah. been a long time ago. Yeah, I actually ended up with an 80th. And I'll hang on. They're moving furniture next to you. There you go. You're safe. <laughs> um, so I'm very excited for this cigar. I remember the ones I had being excellent, not lasting terribly long because of that, but yeah. really enjoyed them. So what are you smoking tonight? So I like the way you did that. You give me the cigar and then, hey, what is that? <laughs> yeah, uh, tell me all about it. So speaking of... Uh, cigars that you don't have to pay for. I, that just, just reminded me, this really makes me look like a cheat. It does. We were talking before the show about how you're never a pretentious cigar smoker. And you smoking the, the 80th edi- edition when you hand me a Charter Oak. Um, <laughs> really flies in the face of that. That being said, I'm really excited about this. Uh, because, as we mentioned on the show a couple of weeks ago, I've actually still not had the Connecticut Shade from Charter Oak. And it's funny because I was actually smoking the Broadleaf Charter Oak when you arrived today. So it'll be really great to know that I can kind of taste test them back to back. But it's a Connecticut Shade wrapper with uh, Sumatran binder and Nicaraguan filler. This is my only problem with this Padron 80th. Takes a minute to to get it lit. Well, to get enough drawn, you so I can't possibly think of cutting a millimeter more than I need to off of a thirty nine dollar cigar to smoke it. So, but the end is rolled to such a point you kind of you kind of foreplay with this cigar for about ten minutes when you first light it before it really gets good to you. I don't remember which cigar, it, or, or if, if we talked about it on the show, or if it was just you and I talking, but I smoked a five-year-old, maybe no, I think it was closer to 10-year-old, fake Cuban the other day. 
It's just been sitting in my humidor. It was a gift from a guy who had sat in his humidor for years. It's been sitting in my humidor for a couple of years. And I think it was every bit of five years old, maybe even more. And it was a counterfeit. And I knew it was a counterfeit. Right. And it was the same way. It was rolled to a point. It had a Figurato tip on it. And yet the same, the same thing, like you're drawing and going, come on, I should be able to draw through this. And about five minutes into the cigar, there it is. And it right. releases. And I'm a huge fan of Solomons, but that is the one thing that just kind of frustrates me about them. Well, you got to leave a Solomon a little fat on the end. You know, it doesn't need to be a true football shape. It should be a... It should be a New England Patriots football. It should be lopsided, more air on one end than the other is really the way it should work. So what you're smoking is a Charter Oak, Connecticut. The, and that cigar has some of this, too. It's going to feel like the draw is a little, tiff, a little tight because they got a shaggy foot on them. And, uh, and I bought a box of those the other day because I'd had a couple and I really liked them. And I had to go across town to help my buddy, so I went ahead and ran over to the... Um, place where they have them and bought a box. A box of those is $99. Yeah. I mean, for $99 for that cigar, it's unbelievable. And I think, you know, I'm sorry I interrupted you before you got the recipe of your cigar out. No, I did. I got through it. Sumatran binder, Nicaraguan filler. It's it. That has really become my morning cigar. And I know my wife's going to listen to this and I'm divulging my own insidious plans, but maybe she'll look at it as my frugal nature coming to light. Um, she really likes the Africa. Yeah. But the Africa is an $11 cigar. Yeah. And I'm not really wild about her having an $11 cigar every single day. Not necessarily because I mind the $11, but just keeping ahead of that yeah. is a problem. Well, and, you know, we, we talk about it. You know, if, if you smoked a Padron every day, would it still hold the allure that it does? You know, whether you could, you know, if you're the kind of person that you could afford to smoke a $36 cigar every single day, would it still be worth it? Right. Sorry, I'm having to fight my microphone stand. You've got it ex- extended quite a ways out there. I do because I don't, I didn't, I don't have it moved to the edge of the table as much as usual and all that good stuff because I'm trying to navigate 20 different things here. Gotcha. The, the addition of the mask to my carry-on has created a lot of these kind of issues. I know, that extra three ounces, man, just... It's, man, I'm a finely tuned machine and you start <laughs> throwing extra stuff on that. The addition of having to tote a mask everywhere I go has just thrown a lot of my coordination into chaos. Fair enough. And also... Anyway, let's talk about since I did ma- since I have managed to balance my microphone, my iPad, my mask, and my cigar kit all together without setting said cigar kit or mask on fire. I figure the best way to protect the mask is to keep it under the cigar kit. Usually, less likely to catch it on fire than and burn the store to the ground. Fake Instagram accounts try to scam the cigar community. Is this an issue? I don't... You know, (laughs) it's funny because just two days ago, I was having a conversation with a guy about how scammers are getting to the point... Scammers are pretty good. I mean, yes, we've got the Nigerian Prince emails, which are, you know, of a bygone era. Those don't happen anymore. But, you know, they used to be such broken English and gibberish and outlandishness that it was pretty easy... To, to pick them out. And we used to wonder, how do people fall for this stuff? But now, some of these scams are getting quite um, prolific, quite clever. And so, uh, you know, I, I kind of understand 
I think it's funny because I'm very savvy when it comes to this sort of thing. And even I've had a couple of things where I got a couple of steps into something before I went, no, wait a minute. You know, um, so I've even seen other people on Instagram lately, not just cigar community, but people have to come out and say, hey, if you see giveaways with our brand, know that it will only be from this account. Right. It will only be, or or like with a trusted partner like Omaze or one of those guys. Like, if you see anything else, let us know, but don't give any information. Well, so Cigar Aficionado's article, just to cover the article before we delve into this, um, they they're just put out an article, and I'm just making the public in general aware about it, that responds from the account Cigar Aficionado Prize, Cigar Aficionado Getaway, Cigars International COVID-19. I don't know how that one works, but it apparently, apparently, apparently it's gift, gift, fear. Let's, let's well, inspire fear to try to get their scam I, to go. What, no, and I've, I've actually seen this. Uh, a lot of times what they'll do in that one is claim to be some type of charitable giving branch of the company of, you know, donate to us and we'll make sure that people in the cigar industry who've lost their jobs are taken care of in this trying to, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and, and, you know, if you're attacking the cigar community, I can kind of see how you might want to go because it's, it tends to be a fair, fairly charitable group of people. Well, and we have seen our share of scams wander through this shop just in the amount of time that I've been here. Right. And all, and um, anybody that spent any considerable time, I'm sure, has seen a number of scams walk through, because cigar people, they have disposable income, and they're usually very generous, very kind people. Right. And that's a combination that if you're a scammer, that's what you're looking for. Exactly. You know, that, if, if it's a soft target. Right. If you're looking for a one-night stand, you want daddy issues. If you're looking for a scam, this is what you want. And also, there, it does seem like that that kind of proliferates. And shop owners, it's a constant hassle on them because they have to throw, you know, okay, well, this guy's running a scam, but can I throw him out? How does this work? Is right. it, you know. Now, the one that was here for the longest was obviously yeah. <laughs> needed needed exercised. But I'm interested. So, but just heads up. If, you, if somebody's trying to give you prizes, it probably is not. <laughs> well, and so here's the thing. And because I used to work in the banking industry, and so they got used to be very clever about how they'll send you the check, and then you have to pay for the processing fees after the fact. And that's in, so anytime someone asks for you to give money or or to send or submit something to collect a prize, it's a scam. Also, if you haven't entered a contest. You didn't win a contest. That was the biggest thing. Oh, I, I won the sweepstakes from Wendy's, right. and I won $4,927.16. It's always just under, when, when it's those check scams, it's always under 5000 because that's mandatory holding. Right. Um, and then by the time you've sent them the $300 processing fee, that check bounces and you're on the hook. Um, if you didn't enter a contest, you didn't win a contest. Well, and if they don't, um, if they want you to send money via Western Union for anything, mm. it's a scam. 
And how is Western Union still in business? Uh, in the modern era, how does how does that place keep the doors open? Well, and you see this on buy sell trade groups on online. I've got a, I'm in a couple of them on Facebook, uh, like for triathlon and cycling and stuff because. You know, in the U.S., there's usually not a huge local group, so you kind of have to look nationwide to get a group of people if you're looking to buy, sell, trade. Right. And a lot of times what people will request to do is use PayPal friends and family versus PayPal business because then you don't have to pay the processing fees. The problem with that is you lose all the protection. Sure. You get what you pay for. Yeah. And so a lot of times what happens is people will say, can we do friends and family so I don't have to eat the cost of blah, blah, blah? And sure enough, you never get the item you pay for. So speaking of scams. Well, I wanted to talk, I I wanted to, one more thing, because they did mention it in the article, and this is really good advice. If you're ever interacting with a page online, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, they will always um, have a verified mark. You know, that little blue check mark or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, Always look for that. And also check the web address if you're on your computer. And make sure it's the actual web address. They, they've gotten really good about, you know, instead of AmericanExpress.com, it's AmexRewards.com or whatever. And so it looks, but but always make sure you're looking at that web address. So, sorry, just my... Yeah, just just be be way more careful. Be hyper vigilant. Be way more careful than you think you have to be. Yeah. Because they, they don't get the... This is not a deal... This is not a deal where they send out a telemarketing scam and they call 8 million people electronically and they get a capture rate of 0.0004% and it makes it worthwhile. Right. This is, this is a little more personal. They're out for your personal information. But speaking of false accusations, lies, scams, all that stuff, there was an article. Now, this is interesting. This article was on Aficionado, I'm sure. And it was on Half Wheel, I think. But it is no longer on either of those platforms. All right. And uh, this is Ministry of Cigars is where I had to go to find this. Rocky Patel replies to false accusations. So um, an online cigar get-together, MAGA, meet up with Donald Trump Jr., Tommy Hicks, and Jeff Borowitz. And Rocky Patel was tagged in it. Yeah. So somebody decided to post a picture of him from seven years ago dressed as his brother and crop it in such a way as to present that he was a racist in blackface. Well, okay, let's take a step back and let's do a little less editorializing while we present the... That was, the, that was pure as a driven snow, oh, what you're talking about. Yeah, that was as... Um, so it wasn't actually Rocky. It was Dave... Uh, I don't see his last name here. Um, one of the VPs of the company was the guy who's... Speaking of why does the driven snow... And he, he's, he's in a picture in blackface. Mm-hmm. And well, that's I don't call this blackface. This is you fell asleep at your buddy's house and he hit you with a sharpie. Well, that's what it looks like, and I think that's part of. But it's no, this is absolutely blackface. You can't say that's not blackface. I, it's too bad to even be implied as comically bad. But that's but that's the part of the problem with all this is that it's always just that bad. It's, and then they cry. He had, so it's basically the two of them standing together. And he has a sign that says, hi, my name is Nish. He's obviously in jest creating a very comical version of Nish Patel. Comedy should be funny. And I don't, I don't see this as being funny. Now, so well, the, I don't the, think Ellen DeGeneres is funny, but apparently I'm in the minority. Well, but that's, 
but but Elhan DeGeneres doesn't have a history of being. Uh, I'm I'm. If you came I'm, in here in an Ellen wig dancing, nobody would think it was funny. No, well, a couple people would. The the problem is, <laughs> some would say I knew it all along. The thing oh. is, blackface is always problematic. It's always racist. It's always a bad idea. Just don't freaking do it. It's, it's that had, simple. If I he don't had care. done it yesterday, it would be a bigger deal. It's always been a problem. We've known and it so, was a problem for years. Can you not acknowledge that it's kind of ironic that some Twitter troll decided to dig this up? After he happened to be in a MAGA rally? Well, we can talk about motive all we want, and that's that's a different part of the conversation. But I, I don't think that because it was seven years ago and because Nish was in on the joke that we necessarily say that it's excusable. Blackface is always wrong. So in the episode of Scrubs where they did that just for a 30-second joke, that was wrong? Yes, it was. And they have since pulled those episodes from the air. Yeah, that, that goes in my pile of stuff I'm not worried about. But I'm just if you you and I we, we knew going into this that oh, we were yeah. not going to see eye to eye on this, I, you know, and and I I reject the the idea that you know the crop was intentional to first of all Nish is in a zombie priest you know costume, so you don't even know it's Nish that he's standing with. So, but I I, re, I re reject the idea that the crop was intentional. To, to take context away because you don't even really get the context from the full picture. I think it's meant to highlight... How could you not get the context from the full picture? Nish is in a terrible costume. But you He's don't know in a terrible Nish. costume. I don't know what Nish looks like. It's obviously a Halloween party. Okay, if, if you take away everything else... So blackface is okay with you as long as it's Halloween? As long as... So if you look at this picture, we're talking about... So, yes, I will agree with you. Blackface is never okay. Great. Um... I'm, I'm still not going to hold somebody that didn't have that happen in the last three years guilty. But in context, if you look at the picture, if you're looking at the two pictures on the Ministry of Cigars page, the picture on the left, you can clearly see those two are at a Halloween party, can't you? Yes. There's really no doubt. Now, the picture on the right that they have cropped for their own devious means, can you ever have extricated that that was from a Halloween party? No, but I don't. Th but again, I've I failed. I mean, I think it's highlighting the problematic nature of what he's doing. I don't think it's meant to remove context. Because even as a Halloween costume, blackface is still not okay. But if you're looking to remove context, you will you will ne you can be offended by anything. You can remove enough context from anything to be offended. But the point is that the original photo is every bit as offensive as the cropped one. Okay. So, so to say that it was cropped nefariously to remove context, it doesn't matter because even the full-size photo is just as offensive as the cropped one. I'm just going to say, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck, so this person decided to be anonymous and decided to post that right after, and he didn't speak at the MAGA get-together, he just happened to be there. The, and then they crop a picture in such a way as to remove context. This is somebody that doesn't like Trump, that doesn't like Patel being associated with it, and took their shot. Them being anonymous proves that. Okay, but here's the thing. So, it's your first day on the internet? I mean, everyone's anonymous, or at least has the potential to be. I mean, so that's, that to me is not any type of gotcha moment, the fact that the guy was anonymous. But 
if you look at the article itself and the response from Rocky Patel, Rocky has made it very clear that they don't give a crap, that they were in on the joke. It's all in good fun. The guy gets to keep his job. Sure. So who cares? Right. You know, I mean, like, and, 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 I, I, just answer me this. Do you think Rocky Patel is racist? That's not even remotely well, do, germane well, to the... Do, do you do you in your heart of hearts think that they're a racist organization? I don't know enough about them to make a judgment of on that. Of course they're not. <laughs> and, uh, so. But, but my, my point... But I, I haven't even put any thought into that. I haven't done any research into that. My point is, this person... Okay, maybe their motives weren't pure. Okay, fine, I'll give you that. You know, they were they were mad that he was tagged in something that was tangentially related to Trump, and he wanted to take take the boat down. It didn't work. Right. Rocky stood by this guy. They said he's not going to lose his job. We don't apologize for it. His wife was in on the joke. He was in on the joke. And I, bravo, I, Rocky, for standing up. And that's fine. But but the whole thing is, I don't I don't get mad. I don't fault the guy who brought all this up to. Oh, him. I do. I, I don't. But I also don't fault Rocky for standing by his employee and say, look. Yeah, probably not a good look, but we don't care. That's fine, too. To the guy that brought this up, I must say the worst thing that I can say to my fellow human being, what's the rest of your life like? That your internet presence is this sad and miserable... What's the rest of your life like? I, I That's just the cruelest thing I can say to anyone. If I, ever, if I ever look at you and say, what's the rest of your life like? Know that I am dishing the worst insult that I can possibly muster. I will, I will <laughs> end on this. Uh, the, the Part of the context that, that you keep getting is the fact that the guy's got a sign around his neck that says, hi, my name is Nish. Anytime you have to wear a sign around your neck to tell other people what your Halloween costume is, it's a really bad freaking costume. Well, granted, he gilded the lily a little with the sign. And all. I mean, it, it was obviously, but the point really of the article is not this guy anonymously accused him of having a bad Halloween costume. It's that this guy got his panties in a bunch and decided to try to remove and you know the reason he's anonymous is because he knows if they sued him they'd win they would in not. a heartbeat they absolutely would not oh in a heartbeat what on what grounds faking the evidence he's completely he's faked not it. faking the evidence he has cropped it in such a way as that there there is no way you can on a clear conscience say not but okay we've argued about this long enough you may have the last word if you like now, okay. let's move on. My last word is, what's the rest of your life like that you're this miserable human being? Um, one other thing to hit before we jump to the break. I want to catch this before the break. Just, just since we've kind of, just so the back half of the show can be positive and be generous. Let's talk about the one other negative thing going on. Why is this negative? Drew Estate adds oh. factory smokes candela as an exclusive for Thompson Cigar. You skipped one. Okay, yeah. Uh, so let's take the worst cigar that came out last year. And do you think there was a bet around the office? Of it, it had to be something like that. The factory smoke last year was my least favorite cigar I think I've ever smoked. Uh, yeah. of, of a main release, main label. I've, I've smoked three of the four factory smokes. And... All of them were horrendous. They were terrible. Well, I don't even know if they were terrible because there was just nothing to them. Right. And I recognize that some people like them, and they like them because they're a $3 cigar. But I'd just seem to save my $3 and not smoke. 
I mean, they're the textbook definition of a bad cigar. And they said, how can we make this cigar worse? And Candela said, hold my beer. Right. <laughs> I mean, Candela is so hard to do well. It's, in my opinion, it's impossible to do well. I have never had a Candela that I liked. The Romacraft Candela is pretty darn good. But it's still the same price as all their other stuff and nowhere near as good. So why? I don't see the benefit. Are we judging a Candela cigar versus the entire catalog of cigars in the world, or are we judging a Candela cigar against other Candelas? But why would I ever smoke a Candela when none of them are as good as something else for the same price? Well, and this comes to an article we're going to talk about a little bit later tonight. This is a good teaser. And how good would we be if we rehearsed? Um... Is every cigar a celebration? Well, no, but if I'm going to smoke a $7 cigar, which is what the Roma Craft Candela is, why would I not smoke a $7 Intemperance? So you never have a mood in your palate? For a Candela, absolutely not. Because my palate, sometimes I'll have moods that I want something really funky. I mean, you know, about once every... smoke a KFC. Well, about once every three or four years, I have the urge to go get souse meat and have souse meat and crackers with hot sauce. About every three or four years, I have the urge to go pick up a can of Spam and have Spam and eggs. Stuff that's not necessarily what you would call taste is good, but you kind of have that urge for it. Yeah. And ironically, the recipe for Spam and souse is probably not far apart. <laughs> At all. It's probably very close. But yeah, I do think that someone had to have been sitting around the office saying, how can we make this worse? How can we really just test the resolve of our truest fans right. and make them buy something that's utterly unsmokable? Hey, fellas, do you think you'll smoke th- that they'll smoke these? No, there's no way they'll smoke these. All right. We're going to release them just to find out. But anyway, let's step away for a cigar under eight. When we come back, I do want to talk about the new Camacho coming out. We also have some other articles that I don't have pulled up in front of me right now. So, we'll be back. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. I'm doing this one by myself while Trey's off doing something else. I want to talk about the Rocky Patel Edge Sumatra. One of my favorite smokes, Um, it's the perfect step up in the edge line. It's the perfect cigar when you're ready to step up. It's an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper around Nicaraguan long fillers of a combination of pepper, spice, kind of woody. Just an absolutely wonderful cigar. So until next week, enjoy an edge Sumatra. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the Pablo Picasso of the etch sketch Mr. Trey did. I, I want to meet the person who isn't. <laughs> no, there's always that one kid in school that can just absolutely draw something about the two-wheel method 
yeah. absolutely appeals to their intellect that they can make these masterpieces on the Etch-A-Sketch. And he, he grows up to fly drones for the Air Force. Yeah, He's just yeah. used to that. Well, he enjoys his 14 minutes of fame of being the guy that in Etch-A-Sketch class can draw naked women. You don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to be clumsy if you're that guy carrying around your etch a sketch. You trip over your shoelaces, and then all your work is and, for and nothing. And it's gone. <laughs> but but there's always that guy. You you seem to me. What is your hidden talent? What is what are you really good at? Don't make that hand signal. What are you really good at that the average person wouldn't know? Um, have we talked about the juggling on the show? We've dis- I think we've dis- no. I don't think we've talked about it on the show. We've talked about it privately. Yeah. So I um, didn't know if you wanted to come out of the out of the juggling closet. Well, no, if got, you come out of the juggling closet, you have to be on one of those big balls walking unicycle. <laughs> yeah. Always or a uni- unicycle. Unicycle. Okay. I, I can actually ride a unicycle as well. Um, yeah. I would say that's the one. That's the hidden talent that I would say is probably the most catches people off guard. Is it that you can? And how do you work that in? Do you just have? Hey, throw anytime me some I've of those th- oranges. <laughs> anytime, anytime I've got three of something that's similar in weight and size, just stand back. Just stand back. You're going. You're going to commence to juggling. Yeah. It. Although, I, and I, I will say, I was cleaning out the shed a couple of weeks ago, and I found the fuel for my torches. So we definitely need to make okay. that happen once it cools off a little bit. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little hot right now. Juggling fire in the in the dead of summer is not necessarily advisable. Well, they do it in Hawaii all the time. Well, <laughs> yeah, but they're more used to it. Yeah, I guess they've they've had time to get used to it. So, I wish this cigar could stay this length forever. That is the best thing I can say about a cigar is when you finish it and say, I wish I had another one. Well, this is the perfect moment for this cigar. This moment will never be captured again. Because that's at the, you're right halfway through it. Mm-hmm. So you're at the width, the widest part of the belly. You're getting as much flavor as that thing can possibly put out right, right The now. tobacco is heated all the way through. All the flavors are being released. All of the really good stuff. I wish I could stay here forever. And I don't say that about many things, but I wish this cigar stayed this size forever. What about the Charter Oak Connecticut? What's your vibe? I'm loving it. Um, it's so flavorful for a Connecticut. I mean, I can see why this is taking over as your morning cigar. You know, I don't usually have a Connecticut at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. This, I, I, I could do it every day of the week. It's as good as the shade and half the price. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those deals that it's great and it's a great price. It's not, okay, it's great for the price. No, that's great at $12. Yeah. No, that that's, that is a great $10, $12 cigar. Just happens to cost 6 Yeah, you, you can pick up a box of 20 for $99. Yeah. What I think I, I think I paid $109.98 after, after tax. tax. And all, and then she gave me a free cigar as part of that because I was buying a box, even though I was buying a cheap. That's that's the mark of a good cigar emporium, is that even when you buy a cheap box, they still show a little gratitude to you. Well, speaking of which, I had a very awesome experience with another local shop from the one you're talking about uh, recently, where I had a lighter go bad on me, and it's the first time in five years of owning this this lighter that it's ever taken a step wrong. And I brought it in to the purveyor of the shop, explained what was going on, and they said, "Hey, let me call. It's it's out of warranty, but let's let's call. You know, let's see what we can make happen." And sure enough, the the manufacturer said, "Yeah, we'll we'll give you a credit back to your stock if you want to do a swap. Good." 
So I walked out with a brand new lighter. Very nice. Just just the same as my old one. Um, uh, and having a having a cigar owner that goes out of their way to to make things right for you, even when they definitely don't have to, speaks the world for the quality of that. Well, there's so much value in delayed compensation. Yeah. Because now when it comes time, when the new lighter comes out that you want, he'll be the first one you go to to buy. Exactly. And all. If his price is remotely close, you're going to buy it there. Absolutely. Because you know. So let's talk And I also think that goes both ways because of how much I spend in that particular shop. Sure. That it kind of makes it really easy to go, okay, yeah, I know that you've taken care of me for a couple of years. I'll take care of you this once and know that it, it comes back. You know, it's that karmic thing. Sure. So let's talk about a company that has kind of run me wrong. All and right. All. Um, Camacho Nicaragua coming to market next week. Why Articles s- delayed July 13th. So by the time this pod airs, it'll probably be out. Or, or, or coming out. Um, why so soon? <laughs> why, why the rush? Yeah, didn't Nicaraguan tobacco become all the rage like three years ago? Yeah, the, everybody came out with a Nicaragua branch. And, all, and, they, the, and Camacho was, you know, they had the barrel-aged Nicaraguan they came out with. Yeah. Which to me is kind of like putting the cart before the horse. Wouldn't you bring out the Camacho Nicaraguan and then the barrel-aged Nicaraguan? And all, but, okay. I need... Oh, go ahead. I'll let you make your point before I before I delve deeply into my psychological issues. Okay. Because mine is very face value, literally. Camacho Nicaragua consists of a dark Ecuadorian wrapper, Honduran binder, and filler tobacco from Nicaragua, Honduras, and the Dominican Republic. You've got half a Nicaraguan leaf, and this is your Nicaraguan cigar? I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan of government regulation, but if you're going to call it Nicaraguan, should shouldn't it be, it be pu- 51% Nicaraguan tobacco? I'm, I'm, I'm a step further. It should be a Puro. If it's not a Puro, you can't slap the name of the country on the label. I mean, yeah, and, and especially since isn't the Camacho factory in the Dominican? Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing well, Nicaraguan about the cigar but the orange label. Davidoff has been, Davidoff starts out behind the eight ball for me with everything they do. Ever since, you know, just the overall reputation of Davidoff, and then add to that them pulling those switcheroo with the Avos last year. Yeah. And now Davidoff has started, am I being unfair that Davidoff now must always start from a negative value. They never get to start at zero with me. Yeah, I, I, I'll give you that. And I, I'm sorry, I misspoke. Uh, the Camacho factory is in Honduras, not the Dominican Republic. It's the uh, it's the Davidoff factory that's in the Dominican. Um, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I've been a huge fan of Camacho cigars for about 10 years, you know, going way back when the Roya family still owned it. And... Yeah, they weren't terribly consistent before Davidoff got a hold of them, but they were always good. They were known for their strength. They were known for their flavor. And ever since Davidoff took over them, yes, they rebranded and made them look really, really pretty. They made them more consistent stick to stick, and I will give them that. But they have dumbed down the blends. They have really not innovative. You know, the triple Maduro from Camacho way back when was probably the strongest cigar on the market at the time, but also packed so much with full of flavor that you didn't notice strength just for strength's sake. 
nowadays they're just it's the same thing it's a one note chord they're overpriced you know at nine dollars a stick I'm a huge Camacho fan. I always have been. And I smoked one on the show a couple of months ago, you know, and I still like to go back to it, but I just don't like the way the direction of the company's headed. So I have a funny story about the Camacho Triple Maduro. Um, one of the only boxes of cigars I've ever given away was a Camacho Maduro. And, I'll, and my brother called me. He said, hey, my framers, every Friday when they call it a day, they all sit down and have a cigar. And, I'll, and they're usually machine-made, black and mild, Swisher yeah. Sweets, something like that. He said, I want a nice box of cigars for them because um, th- I want to come out and show, hey, I appreciate y'all have worked hard for me all week. Y'all have really put forth a lot of effort. He said, I want to I show. So this Friday when they have their cigar after work, I want a nice cigar to give them. And I had won a box of Camacho um, Triple Maduros arm wrestling. Was this in back in the pre-Davidoff days when they still came in the pyramid box? Oh no. Oh, okay. No, this was the, this was post-Davidoff. This is they did the loud live out loud tour. Yeah. yeah. And I placed like second in the arm wrestling competition. The guy that beat me had arms like a dang tree trunk. And all I couldn't have beat him if I'd hit him between the eyes of a sledgehammer when the bell rang. But I placed second in the arm wrestling competition there and was very proud of that and ended up taking home a box of cigars as part of my winnings that night. And so I gave it to him. Well, folks, this was in the infancy of my cigar smoking days. If you have a crew of Hispanic framers that enjoy a cigar after work, don't bring them a box of triple Maduros to, to divvy up amongst the crew after a long day's work in the sun. He said it did not go well. <laughs> they started smoking it and eyes started crossing and guys started having to sit down. <laughs> and, and, and I feel for the poor guys because here they are holding this cigar that's just kicking their their brains in and prob- and being in construction none of them is wanting to be the first one to say uncle because oh, the ego and the and the boss is standing there who brought them to you when yeah. it obviously went out of his way to do to something br- nice to bring them to you so you can't throw them <laughs> as far as i can say it, it just turned out a mess all the way around that the whole situation hysterical. turned out so if if you're going to if you find yourself in this situation Get a box of Perdomo champagnes. There you go. You, you can get a box of them pretty reasonable. Get you a box of Perdomo champagnes and pass out to the boys, okay? That's funny. Oh, man. <laughs> no, but so all of that to say, go back to the article for a second. I will smoke this. I will give it a shot. I, I, I still don't know why they called it the Nicaragua with that blend, uh, other than they were just trying to round out the portfolio. But, yeah, I'll smoke it. I'll smoke it to say I have. But it's, it starts, it's, you know, most cigars. So here's what I like. When I pick up a new cigar to start it, according to the official cigar cash rating, rating scale of one to seven, every cigar starts out for me a four. Oh, so every cigar starts out me for a five. A five. Okay, you're a little more generous than yeah. I am. Every cigar starts out for me a four, but a Davidoff product starts out for me a zero. Yeah. I, I think... Because there's that nagging thing. How much am I really paying for this, for the cigar that I'm smoking? How much am I paying for aficionado advertising? How much am I paying for branding? How much am I paying for them well, to the pull label? The wool- it's a half a sheet of paper. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I hate to be that guy. You know, we, for, you know, three and a half years ago when we started this show, 
we said that we were always going to try and do content with a positive spin. And I don't think we've done a very good job of that lately. Um, and I think this is one of those, I kind of feel bad because I do always want to see the best in companies and, and I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But Camacho has just burned me. Uh, Davidoff, for, to be more specific, has burned me so much in the past that I'm having a really hard time getting excited about this. Three years ago, I'd have been jumping up and down excited about this cigar. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting the way, and I try not to let my my views challenge my palate. And I tried to do the same, but but it, it's tough. So you want to do the Cuban cigar article? Yeah. From Business Insider, you brought this one. I'll let you ramp it up. So this is a this is an article from Business Insider, as he said. Um, basically, it's a it's an interview. It's a video, um, but luckily they uh, they transcripted. Can can we all get behind this? Can we just take derail the show for a second? News outlets out there, all of you. When I click a link onto one of your articles and you send me just to the video news report. Stop it. I'm First out. of all, I'm out. I will never... If I wanted to watch a video, I would be at a video platform. Yeah. I, I'm not... I don't... First of all, I half the time they don't have captions. Um, half the time you have to go through, you know, two minutes of build-up before you actually get the information that you want. And some, and most of the time I'm watching videos sitting in a cigar shop or somewhere where I can't turn the, the audio on. Do this. I would much rather read. Just narrate it, transcribe it, put it in the article. Can we all just, uh, again, not a big fan of government regulations, but this is one that I'm in favor of. Okay, so give us the gist yeah. of the article. Now, so um, it's a conversation with several Cuban cigar makers, and the whole idea is, is you know, sort of why Cuban cigars are so expensive. And they go through a number of things um, talking about the history of Cuban cigars and what makes them so special and 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 it's a good article I recommend you looking it up but I really all I care about is right here at the bottom because there's a couple of things that they talk about um, the first one is um, you know they're talking about us being the the largest uh, consumer of cigars in the world although that is growing uh, in, in Europe right now but us not being able to, to do Cubans how much of that is you know, how much does that hurt them? And they bring up the fact that they probably, they think probably 95% of Cuban cigars that are sold in the U.S. are fakes. I think in our modern era, that number's a little lower. I think so, too. I think it's probably closer to 85. But let's, but I want to talk about a couple of things. When we talk about Cuban cigars, I feel like we have to talk about Cuban cigars as if they're one brand. Because, you know, yes, there are different brands of Cuban cigars. You've got Cohibas and, and Bolivars and, and H. Upman and, and a number of others. But because of the way the communist governmental structure of Cuba, they're all state-owned. You know, the, the country owns all of the, the means of production. And so they really... You know, how much of... If you were a company that was making cigars and people were faking them, how do you fix that? And do you think they care? I don't, well, so you, you've asked two yes. very good questions there. If I'm a privately held company, you know, the aforementioned Rocky Patel had a problem with fake cigars. They did. With people faking their cigars. The Edge specifically. Mm-hmm. 
And Rocky actually came out with a brand that was called the Counterfeit, mm-hmm. where they took the lesser quality tobacco and sold it, because obviously there was a market for a cheaper Rocky Patel cigar, and they took advantage of it, which I think is the proper way to handle it. Yeah. And all, and it, it kind of faded away. Yeah, it kind of faded away, mm-hmm. you know, due to that. So I think that's the way you handle it. But in a situation like this, where they don't have the ability to infiltrate the the market where their products are being counterfeited, I, that's not an avenue that they would have at their disposal. Correct. But if Cuban cigars were made perfectly legal tomorrow, if we said tomorrow. Signed it into law. You can have all the Cuban cigars you want. Import all of them you want. I think Cuba would find out that they are decades, if not multiple decades, half a century behind the cigar business. I think you're right. You know, I think, and I also think they would struggle with keeping up with production. And this is why I wonder if the, if the high rate of counterfeiting, counterfeiting of their cigars is really a problem. You know, the, the the availability of Cubans in this country is probably better now than it has ever been post-embargo. And and I wonder if, you know, yes, 85 to 95 percent of those are fakes, but does it keep the pathos of the brand alive? Does it keep people interested? Oh, the embargo is the best thing that ever happened to Cuban cigars. Oh, absolutely, because now everybody wants what they can't right, have. Right. They're, they became sought after. And also, yeah, definitely, and what I would like, what I think would be the best thing if tomorrow we lifted the embargo, would be the companies like Rocky, like Drew Estate, like Roma Craft, that started integrating some Cuban tobacco into their blends. And, and I think that's exactly what we would see happen. You know, I think a lot of these, you know, because we've talked about on the show before, when the embargo happened, the Cuban cigar industry struggled for a little bit, and then all the talent just left Cuba. Right. You know, you've got multiple, gen- not so much anymore, uh, as they're all getting up there in age, but you know, all the talent went to Nicaragua or Honduras. Well, it's because the their farms Republic. got stolen by communism. They had to. Well, yeah. I mean, Rocky... Or, um, but um, they also couldn't sell, even even if they hadn't, they still wouldn't have ever been able to sell as much as what they've been able to accomplish now. And so... I don't know that the Cuban cigars, you know, really, they certainly wouldn't be able to keep up with production. So I think the only way they would stay relevant if, if the embargo were lifted tomorrow would, would be to sell their crop to Roma Craft, to Foundation, to Perdomo, to Rocky. Right. And I think that the if Cubans were made legal tomorrow, it would hurt Davidoff the worst. Because it's, this, it's the same mystique. Yeah, and all the same mistake. Now Davidoff, for all the flack we've given them, they treat their retailers like gold. They do. Davidoff really treats their retailers well. Once you pay them in gold for the right to carry their stuff. Oh yeah, you have to sell your soul. Yeah. But you do. You, they do at least honor their end of the bargain. Yeah. And also, I'd, you know, the Cuban thing is just overrated. I would much rather have a Nicaraguan than a Cuban any day of the week. Yeah. I mean, there's just not a day of the week I wouldn't rather have a Padron than anything Cuba's ever put in my hand. But I was I was just floored by that 95% number, and because I do think it's probably more accurate than we would like to think. And, you know, as, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I smoked a fake Cuban the other day. I knew good and well it was a fake Cuban, but I didn't care because it was still a good cigar. Right. Put enough age on it, it'll help it. Exactly. So, 
I want to go we'll do one more article. I like to be a little philosophical toward the end of the show. All right. This is from golf.com. And uh, we don't do a lot of articles from golf.com, though you think we would. You would think. Although I haven't played in a number of, probably about a year and a half. I played about two weeks ago. But the invaluable lessons I learned blowing a three-footer to lose a member guest match from Michael Bomberger. 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 That's the way you pronounce his name. I'm sure of it. And what he talks about is the the attitude in golf that every shot matters. Now, if you're playing on the PGA Tour and buying groceries depends on, you know... Making the shot or not. Yeah, making the cut, then yes, every shot matters. But for the average human being play golf, does it not degrade the joy of the game if you go out there with the attitude every shot matters? Well, and we were talking about this off the air a couple of weeks ago or a week ago. Yeah, about, I'm out there to have fun. You know, I want to I play well because that enhances my enjoyment. You know, it, it's like the, the level of enjoyment fishing between catching zero and one fish is greater than, catch, but than the level of enjoyment between catching two and 99. You True. Know? So it's that same kind of thing. You want to have at least a couple of good shots to, to feel good and to have fun. But for the, for the general populace pay, playing golf, you know, 95% of people aren't ever going to break 100. So, so if you play like your life depends on it, pressure is going to be the thief of joy. Oh yeah, and I and I now I love the four man scramble. I do too. The two man scramble to a lesser degree, but I love the four man scramble. And all and you know when we had our golf weekend, we always had the ultimate system. We would play eighteen on Friday, thirty six on Saturday, eighteen on Sunday before we went home. And we played. Everybody played their own ball. The first eighteen. And you paired the best and the worst, and they played a two-man scramble for the 36th the next day. And then Sunday, by the time everybody was wore out, we took the worst team and the best team, put them together. They played a four-man scramble, and that was the there might have been a wager on that particular game. When, when you start getting to that point, it, it's fine, because the greatest thing about the four-man scramble is that everyone gets to use a shot. I've, I've never played, you know, even if you're the worst player putting, you know, being put next to the best player, because the best player is going to put you in a position to take a shot that you never would have gotten the opportunity to take on your own. So the attitude of golf of saying, well, every shot counts, I don't think is viable for the average golfer. Just as I think the attitude of every cigar is a celebration is viable for the average cigar smoker. I think it's, I think it's viable for the average cigar smoker. I do, because when you think of the average cigar smoker, you're talking about someone who smokes usually about once a month or less. You know, we get a little spoiled in our perception by spending every day in a cigar shop at some point or another, more or less. And so we've come to assume that your average cigar smoker are people like us that smoke about a cigar a day, a couple of cigars a week, whatever. But I think, by and large, most of your people that smoke cigars smoke maybe one a year, 12 a year at the most. And so I think for those people, yeah, it probably is a celebration. I I think they probably use cigar smoking as a way to highlight the memorable moments in their life. And I I certainly don't want to take anything away from anybody for whom that's the case. But, yeah, if, if you're smoking any more than that, every cigar doesn't have to be a Padron. 
No, some days you would just want to sit down and relax with a good medium filler cigar. Absolutely. You know, I smoke a lot of medium and short filler cigars because sometimes I want the pause. It's not so much about the cigar itself as it is the environment. And if I'm putting myself in a good headspace, I can enjoy a lesser quality cigar. Uh, you know, and, and, and honestly, the worst thing I think you can do is to ruin or, or to waste a really good cigar on a lackluster moment. You know, how often have you been, you know, in a, in a heated discussion and you look down and you've not enjoyed your cigar at all because you were too invested in what was going on around you? It's my poker cigar. When we play poker, I'm dealing. 99% of the time, I'm the dealer because it's just easier. I'm the commissioner. It's just easier to have one dealer than to try to rotate the deal around the game. Yeah. And because we're playing on a timetable, we want to get the game over with. We don't want it to take all night. And I don't never smoke a Padron during that time because I can't appreciate it. You know, and we talk about it on the show all the time. You know, this is a good golf cigar. This is a good fishing cigar. Cigars that are good when you want to enjoy a cigar, but you don't necessarily want to give the cigar all of the responsibility for the moment. Well, and the, the cigar that I'm holding right now, the Padron 80th, it's a seven. Yeah. There's no there's no argument. There's few people in the world, I think, would pick this cigar up, light it, and say this is a five. Right. And all that. That's just not happening. And all. But I wanted to enjoy this when he gave me this cigar. Of course, I had the urge to light it up immediately. Yeah. And I'll, luckily, I already had another one lit in my hand, so I didn't have that option. Yeah, you didn't have to breach etiquette. Right. I already, I already had a, an existing cigar. But the time I enjoy a cigar most is this. This is If I have a good cigar, this is where I'll enjoy it the most, when I can just sit and have a good conversation with somebody and smoke the cigar. Yeah. You know, and it brings me to something else. You know, I, I really like, and I kind of teased this when we were talking before the show about how there's another parallel between cigars and golf that, that I take a little bit of exception with as well. It, and it's, it's that so often those of us who have been involved in the sport or the hobby uh, for a long time tend to take for granted what it's like to be a beginner. I started playing golf relatively late in life. I was already about 24. And when you start playing golf, you're terrible. And especially if you're, you know, mid-20s or whatever, because you, don't, you haven't built that hand-eye coordination for the, for the mechanics at an age where your body's still in the process of learning movement. And so when you're bad, you're slow. Right. You take a little bit longer to line up your shot. You take six shots on a par four if you're lucky, and you play slow. And one of the things that, dry, that, that I think really inhibits mass enjoyment of the sport of golf is the ranger coming around telling you guys need to pick it up. You know, even if you're letting people play through because, you know, and it discourages people from learning the sport and, and getting involved in the hobby. Because if I feel like I'm an inconvenience to everybody else out there and I've got a ranger breathing down my neck to keep going, to keep it moving... I'm not going to take my time. I'm going to lift my head. I'm going to miss the shot, make things worse. And, and it was something that I really struggled with when I was first learning to play of like, well, if no one wants me out here, why am I doing it? And I see this in the cigar shop from time to time too about, you know, people, you know, you see guys that cut way too much off the head of their cigar. And we've been guilty of this. I, I'm not sitting here on a, on a high horse, you know, acting like I'm not guilty of it. I, I, I am. We all are. And, 
you know, but we make fun of people for clipping too much or clipping the wrong end or not being able to keep it lit or smoke, any number of things. And I think we really do a disservice to the hobby and the community at large when we kind of discourage or make people feel like you have to know how to do it. You know, we talk about there's a certain skill with using a match versus a soft flame versus whatever. And and especially when you go, oh, you've got to use the cedar. You've got to toast the foot. You put all these rules around it, and it makes people go, why do I want to be surrounded by a bunch of pretentious jerks when I'm trying to relax and enjoy myself? Right. Enjoy your cigar your way and in, and add to the enjoyment of all those smoking around you. Yeah. Is the best way to do it. You know, um, I was speaking with my brother this week, and I said, you know, when we're at the cigar shop, I'm usually the one that brings the philosophical target. Generally, people, when they sit down with me, say, okay, Shane, what have you got this week? And I, and I love that because I'm that person. Right. And there's a lot of, that's a, that's a series of pride for me because I'm enhancing their cigar time as well as mine. Right. And also, next time you're in a shop and you're sitting around with some buddies, think about how can I make this situation even better. And, and especially if you see a beginner, be, be quick to to graciously uh, offer a little advice or at least just don't castigate a person for well, it. When I am when I have my wrestling events and the guys come that are not regular smokers and they, I say, would anyone like a cigar? When I when they, the guy that I know doesn't smoke a lot says, hey, yeah, I would like one. Hey, would you like me to cut that for you? Yeah. Can I put a good cut, cut on that for you? And, I'll, and that's generally where I go, oh, no, no, don't use that bit here. Use my lighter. Yeah. You'll get a better light. Yeah. And also, yeah, enhance the around you. Well, I've rated my cigar. It's a seven, which there was no doubt from the moment I lit it that it was going to be. A Padron starts at a six and can only go right. up. Right. Uh, mine is a six. I love this cigar. I can't believe it took me. I cannot wait to have one that's not the six by 60. Um, right. Have it, the Toro. Because it's a six even at the six by 60, which is not a size of cigar that I typically enjoy. Um, it's rolled really, really well. I'm getting great draw out of it, which I don't normally from a cigar this size. And the to be to be smoking a Connecticut at five o'clock in the afternoon, and it be able to deliver everything I could want from a six dollar cigar. Yeah, it's absolutely a six. Well, how do they get a hold of us? You can reach us by email at info at thecigarcast.com. We are on Facebook.com slash The Cigarcast and Instagram and Twitter at The Cigarcast. Well, thank you everybody for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.